0: Welcome everyone to another episode of Roll Up. I am here with Todd Jerschel, the Tournament Master, and we are going to be talking about all things Filsinger Games once again. We just had the Big Filsinger Games Perennial 2022 this past weekend, uh, which was a blast. Uh, We'll certainly talk more about that. Um, There was also, of course, some you know, real-world wrestling stuff that we'll be able to talk about. Um, a few other things to to address, but the meat of this episode, if you will, is actually going to be uh, the recording of our interview with Les Thatcher from The Perennial. Uh, it was certainly a big hit with everyone that was there. So, if you were unable to attend for any reason, this is your chance to catch that interview uh and it was definitely a highlight for me i think it's probably one of the the most fun interviews i've ever conducted um i could talk to less all day i it, it you know it, it reminded me i think that the most comparable uh experience that i'd had as far as like you know wrestling related interviews go is it reminded me a bit of the uh, interview i connected with uh, magnum ta a few years back so we'll talk more about that later um but uh in the meantime todd how are you
1: Doing okay. Um, Yeah, it's been a rough day today, but uh, you know, things are hopefully looking up. Uh, All the ringside companions are officially in the hands of the U.S. Mm -hmm. Postal Service. So finally, with
0: my non alcoholic beverage, sir. There we go. Excellent.
1: (laughs) Excellent. I know a couple of people who got the express mails got theirs already, and uh, I got those out like. The, on the monday and took me a little time to kind of get the rest out there but uh they were finally all little taken care of and hopefully should be arriving soon uh, uh to everybody hopefully safely i think so far everybody who's gotten one has been uh, really liking it so far
0: yeah I, I i i can't see how they wouldn't you know uh, i mean privileged enough to have seen the the pdf Um, you know, the file before it was printed and everything. Actually, I think I saw like a version removed from the final version, but, um, uh, just what an amazing resource an incredible, incredible resource for, you know, nearly every single specialty match released for both legends and COTG Uh, some great, you know, additional rules and, and, and other little bits and baubles that are put in there. Uh, One of the the things that I wanted to talk about, you know, I I think weeks and weeks and weeks ago, but, but couldn't, you know, let let out of the bag was the uh, the, the sort of the generic universal commissioner chart. I love having that. That's awesome. I love that Corey, you know, made good on on what he had mentioned with his um, you know, hometown, uh, talent uh, uh rule uh, set as well so just uh, just a, a wonderful, wonderful resource and I, I think that uh we're really um, you know as promoters it's it's just awesome to have, and uh, you know as a company, I think it's something almost essential uh to have as a product. Do you know what I mean? Like we, we talk kind of from the promoter's point of view so often about like how this is so essential for you to have, but I think as a company, like this is also essential. This is an essential piece of, of merchandise to, to be able to have out there and available for people to get because it, it, it is so exhaustive.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you really want to go kind of beyond just like the basic matches there, you know, basic special matches that are in the book there. And yeah, it's been a little while since we've had one. I know this has been like, on the docket for a long, long time. And it's just one of those projects that, you know, keeps on getting gotten started and stopped and, and then just, you know, it's just been, it's it's a beast to take on. And as we kind of find out, that's why, you know, even as we were kind of doing it, it was like, okay, we thought we were at a certain point. It's like, okay, we need a little more time and, you know, and, and, you know, know, thank, you know, thanks so much to uh, Chad and Corey and Tim for all their work to help, you know, get that over the finish line. I mean I spent some time on it, but you know, with me doing all the other orders and trying to get everything else kind of coordinated for all the releases, you know, my time wasn't as much as as I was hoping to be able to give to it. And luckily those guys helped picked up the Slack and I know yeah, Chad spent you know the whole day, you know, just going through and looking through everything and you know, some other yeah, and then and, and multiple days doing that too. So uh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a team effort there and thanks to everybody. And of course, yeah, there's a couple of things we missed. You know, I know already he's like, Oh, you know, there's a couple of matches that came out later on that we didn't include in there, and yeah, we didn't have an index in there, but I know Grant jumped in and kind of you know put a little PDF together already, you know, as you know, Grant's always great about that, just being like, Oh, there's another resource everybody can kind of use you know with it so i mean that that's nice too so uh but yeah overall i think it's it'll be an an awesome awesome resource for everybody and you know whether you're a legends fan or champions fan like everything is in there for you to use and and we're going to follow up next year with some more you know like yeah we we we, we had the indie stuff in there too and it was just at that point it was just too big and just you know and and unwieldy there and so we're just going to split that out do a couple other things in there too like yeah, for like a volume two that I think will be more than worthwhile as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, one of the great things is that I, I think that with you know the um, the second volume, you, you know, it provides the opportunity to to address you, you know the couple of things that I know people mentioned that kind of got left out. A couple of the you know the newer matches, like the brand new matches and stuff, um, and then you've got the uh, uh, the the possibility, of course, for some new stuff in volume two, just like. Oh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely have new stuff in there,
1: too. Yeah, Yeah. definitely, definitely. Oh, I know. Uh, (laughs)
0: uh, uh, So I I think that uh, overall, it looks like it's certainly a a success in the hands of promoters. You know, uh, I I think that um, any of the things that have been pointed out have not been done, even in a critical way. Just more just to kind of say, like, oh, hey, you know, the Castellix match, for instance, got, you know, wasn't in here. Um, And it was definitely a case of, you know, just just wanting to have as complete as possible and i know that I know that chad made a funny comment on the boards about dropping an anvil on his head uh but like you said i mean those guys worked so hard uh, on ensuring that it was uh, the best possible product that it could be um and and something you know like that slipping through the cracks is in my opinion and seemingly in the opinion of everybody else is no big deal um So I, am looking forward to getting mine. I don't have mine yet. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see what happens, uh, as, as to when it will arrive, uh, through no fault of your own, of course, but mother nature has decided to drop about 10 inches of snow on Chicago and, uh, you know, things, uh, things might get, get slowed down just, just a little bit delayed a, a day or two. We'll see. Um, it's funny because the snow stopped about maybe two, three hours ago. Um, and it's just a short reprieve cause it's supposed to start back up in a couple hours. And, uh, we've already got, I, I think a little over eight inches on the ground and we're supposed to get, uh, another two inches, uh, overnight. So that'll be
1: kind of funny fun. that it stopped right before dynamite. And it'll pick back up right afterwards. Yeah, there,
0: exactly. Maybe in a, I, I actually it's funny you mentioned that because I actually in, in the in the background uh have uh dynamite muted because I was I, I was I was watching the uh the main event when we started and uh and figured I would just keep it on. But it's now over. I won't say any more than that because
1: please don't because I, I have not watched here, it. Yet. <laughs> my partner here hasn't
0: watched it. So we're not gonna talk about this week's dynamite. Let's uh talk but, tournaments.
1: Yeah, the tournaments actually went by real quick and we hit Yeah, pretty much on time for most everything there. I was pretty happy with that. Um, let me see if I can call up the tournaments here. First of all, I'll
0: throw a couple things out there real quick while you do that. Um, fun, uh, fun stuff to note in my tournament rooms, uh, for my brackets, uh, the, for the women's, uh, Indies tournament, uh, I thought that the getting to see the Giselle Shaw card and the Charlie Morgan card, uh, play out the way that they did, uh, I thought was fantastic. Both of those cards played really well throughout the entire tournament. And I felt like they, to me it was nice because it's like validation when you see something that you've worked on kind of do what you hoped it would do, you know, and Ty and I talked a little bit about that, like even in the room, like it was just sort of like, know because because he did the lion's share of the work um you know and i I offered some input on charlie's card um didn't really touch giselle's card much but it was just kind of one of those things where it's like this is really cool like those cards played exactly how i feel like they should play you know and and i mean that happens nine times out of ten anyway with the cards i feel like you know everyone does such a wonderful job on them but it was um it was just really cool to see the types of matches that were taking place with those cards And, and and you know over on the legends side Uh, we had some fun, man. You know, uh, I got to take part in a Bobby Eaton and Ricky Morton match. I was, I was, uh, Ricky Morton and, uh, yeah, you know, it was just some fun stuff that happened with the way that that legends tournament kind of got, uh, put together. I think it was really cool. The, the cards that you chose and the fact that like, you know, we had some tag teams in there that were wrestling singles and it just led to some fun. It led to some fun interactions. So it was, it was, it was a really, really cool tournament.
1: Yeah, nice no, yeah, seeing uh, yeah, Moon Dog. Uh, I think with Moon Spot had a nice little run there, which was nice. And you know, Bobby made it to the the final four, but um, you know, in in the end, Tommy Rich took it all, which I think was was a fitting uh, oh, fitting totally. there for sure. And then in the uh, the FTR tournament was a lot of fun. That that kind of kicked off the day. Uh, that was a black, black hole, hole tournament there, with the yeah. the losers advancing, which was very cool strategy. Just trying to figure out, you know, kind of opposite opposite the strategy there. And and funny enough, like the when we did FTR tournament a year ago, Mayhem won it, and then this one Mayhem like made it, you know, all the way I think to the to the finals or at least to the semifinals. I'm, I'm having trouble finding my, uh, my results here. Uh, but, uh, but in the end it was, uh, actually, I think it mayhem had, had lost in there to the eventual winner or loser. Uranus. Uh, yeah. took it over there, which I thought was a very fitting, uh, winner there for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I completely agree. Um, yeah. And then, um, I, I, yeah, I just thought that the tournaments were a lot of fun. And of course there was also the, uh, um, like the 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 final the perennial tournament,
1: yeah, the perennial tournament. I think you you had left at that point. I we have. had a, we had the winners that were left over at that point. I know uh, Matt uh, Matt Dick and Desher, uh, you know, had to leave. He, he was the one who won the FTR uh, spot, um, but we had to, uh, definitely an interesting one. Uh, we had um, a semifinal with. Um, uh, Jack Briscoe, yeah, against Casey Spinelli yeah. from uh, one of the shimmer sets, um, and uh, and it was it, for those who stuck on, they saw a wild wild match, <laughs> uh, Jack just could not hit a finisher there. And like, and and with the ways we we we, and you'd be proud, Sam. We did not use the women's conversion chart on that. We we went straight on. We we're like, you know, if we're gonna do this, at least let's use the card stats as is, which it gave well KC the the power advantage on it. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Bit, right, which are, you right. with with that with that with that rating there, and so it kept on being like that, getting turned around, and then she would get back on offense, and. Uh, and then she kept on hitting. She was able to hit her finisher and like she hit it like a couple of times and he kept on kicking out, barely missing it. And I think she kicked out a couple times as well. And But in the end, Casey Spinelli beat Jack Briscoe in the semifinals and in, in a <laughs> banger of a match. <laughs> I take back everything I've ever said about the conversion chart. <laughs> so, you
0: know, in all seriousness, I, one thing that I will throw out there real quick that I've thought about a couple of times, uh, you know, with my, my, my wellness stance uh, on intergender wrestling and the conversion chart and such um i, I do think sometimes that w- because there's this mindset of you know of of a conversion chart or whatever that i i wonder what would happen and, it, and you know the pandora's box is open it's you, you can't change it now but if you could like go back and redo all of the women indies cards but do it from the perspective that the power and agility ratings are the same continuum for men and women Do you know what I mean? So that like maybe the most powerful female, you you know, on the indies, her power is actually only like a minus two compared to the minus four, minus five that a guy might have. Do you know what I mean? Like, because let's face it, like, you know, Jack Briscoe should probably be stronger than Casey Spinelli. You know what I mean? I would think so. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) But, But on the same token, a lot of those women should probably be more agile, than the men you sure. know so like maybe you know maybe the most agile women should be like a minus five whereas the most agile men on the indies are only like maybe a minus three or something so it, it like to me it would be lovely to balance it out that way but but again the conversion charts there it exists and 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 people should use it at their own discretion and sometimes it makes sense to do that and it's up to you promoter etc etc that said Spinelli beating Briscoe in any universe regardless of conversion charts is just wild yes yes yeah
1: <laughs> but luckily you know she, she did have a little You tried her best in the finals, but Bob Backlund kind of had the advantage in both the power and the agility, and and overall, just you know, just the the stats didn't work out uh, to 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 give her a a shot there. And and eventually, she cards so much. Yeah, eventually, I think she tapped out there at the end. uh, And Bob Backlund did kind of win the uh, perennial championship uh, with um, uh, Brian Vanderwal winning that one. So he is our our champion. So now. Big Van Vader and Bob Backlund are not available for use in the, uh, in the perennial. And, you know, like kind of, I was kind of thinking, you know, with the, um, with the Galacticon cup, it's always been really focused on the, even though we've allowed legends in there, it's only been champions of the galaxy characters winning. And it seems to be very champions of the galaxy focused. I kind of like that the perennial might be a little bit more legends focused in, in, in and the cool. perennial championship. I kind of like that.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's really cool. So. Especially because like if you look at it, uh, you know, to bring out the word tent pole again, uh your tent pole events could be kind of Galacticon and the perennial, you know. Yeah, that's what I kind of really seeing. Like yeah. yeah,
1: beginning of the year, middle of the year. Um and yeah, you know, we you know, it kind of and we have the other two quarterly events, which are definitely gonna yeah, you know, I, I think for absolutely. now we're gonna continue on, but those are gonna be smaller events. Uh right. and uh yeah, we did talk a little bit during the convention about you know upcoming one of that and you know maybe doing it WrestleMania weekend, although Kind of going through. I think it might just be early part of WrestleMania Sunday. Perhaps might be the the plan for that. Nice. Um, I think that that kind of works out best for a lot of people who I knew wanted to be involved in it. Uh, that Sunday I think was the best. And I think now the NXTs added something Saturday and whatnot. It's like okay, we. I don't want to like go against like the big cards that people want to see. You know, if we can kind of fit in amongst there and Sunday Sunday afternoon seems to be a little bit of a a lull in the whole WrestleMania weekend type of thing. There's not as much of the, all the indie stuff kind of wraps up by Saturday and, you know, with the NXT then too. So I think Sunday early seems to be the right, the right play. And, you know, I probably be, you know, not as many tournaments. I think that was one thing I kind of heard a little bit. It's like, ah, I think people are really into the, the panels and stuff like that. Yeah. We'll kind of keep the same time with that, and maybe cut down the tournaments a little bit for that. Well, but we'll we'll keep a more expanded tournament schedule for Galacticon and Perennial because that tends to be a little bit more of a focus uh, for those. I think
0: that's uh, a great and, idea,
1: and then a little smaller on on, on the the other two quarters then.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the things, uh, certainly, the feedback that I've heard, you know, people are just jazzed about the guests. You know, want want to continue having the types of guests, and I think that the wonderful thing is, is it's like, you know, we have we 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 certainly have enough connections to have a steady supply. Uh, of, of guests you, you know yes. a very diverse roster of guests not necessarily always going to be you know somebody like a les thatcher or, or whatever um but that there's certainly a lot of people out there uh indies related as well as legends related that, that we can call upon you know hopefully for that um yep. you know the other thing uh that that uh, was going on at the perennial which was just such an awesome time was uh, of course the uh, auction. And uh, I thought that the auction was a lot of fun. Uh, I even threw in a couple of bits uh, and the, you know, the, the thing that stole the show of course was the signed Kurt Angle card. Uh, yeah. We had both uh, Grant Pachoco and uh, Troy Peterson very generously bid uh, high on the card and then donate the card back to the auction so that when all was said and done, the card basically went for like $655, I think. Yep.
1: Yep. Yeah, yep, exactly. Um, yep.
0: So raised, raised over, over a grand for the uh, TNT Hall of Fame, which is just yep. fantastic. Um, and, and, and I
1: realized I forgot to put one item up for bid. Cause I didn't actually have the physical thing next to me. And I kept on remembering early in the day. I'm like, I got to remember to put this in there and I completely forgot. And so I think it's going to be up there. It's going to be put up as kind of almost like a silent auction type of style, but not so silent because people will just be able to bid on it and know it. But uh, um, uh, I signed Les Thatcher card, the black and white card. He, he said yes. well he's going to personalize one. Personalize I it, mentioned yeah. that before, and I completely forgot during the whole – Best there so. i
0: forgot too because that was the thing like i had you know a, the conversation that we had with les went a went over time and b was just so much fun and so wide ranging that like in my notes i had my notes laid out and that was one of the things for me to mention last i was going to mention it and yes. and 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 i and i didn't so it's it's not just you
1: Okay. But we'll we'll put that up. It'll be kind of like a special extra auction there. Uh I think I'll start by the time uh you're hearing this. I think maybe I'll I'll kick that off and send out be sending out a note out to everybody to 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 bid on that uh through the message board. We'll at least get something there because yeah, he you know Les said he, he would he would sign one. Um and yeah, he's he's he was just great to work with and and to yeah. talk to overall. Um, and yeah. and one other thing he said, uh, I know you mentioned that you know you, you had so much more you wanted to cover with him. And uh, you know, I asked him if he might be willing to join us on a future episode of Roll Up, and he said he'd be more than happy to do that. So maybe uh maybe we'll get another chance to have the rematch with Les uh once the set comes out. He has a copy of the new color card and we can kind of talk about uh some of the other guys in the set too, maybe that he's uh, worked with in the past. Prepare yourself for the longest episode of Roll Up ever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that's that sounds fantastic. Uh, you know, and speaking of which, uh, I think now is the perfect time um, to to cut over to the interview with with Les. We'll be back after the interview with a couple more things, um, talking about some of the upcoming stuff with Phil Singer Games, and and actually. Uh, we usually do our teasers at the beginning of the show, but we're going to do them uh, at the end of the show. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about all the, the new announcements um, and a couple of other little things. Uh, we'll get to that afterwards. But um, wanted to, of course, share the interview with Les Thatcher um, with anyone that wasn't able to to make it. So uh, if you, you know, if if you were there and you want to relive it please listen if 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 you uh you know aren't interested in that then skip forward about you know 45 minutes or so and and you'll be uh towards the end of the show and uh, you can hear us babble on about other stuff uh but in the meantime here is our interview with les thatcher from the phil games perennial 2022 january 29th Uh, that that's, that's fantastic. I love that. I mean, obviously, you have to have a passion for it, though. It, it's not just something that, you know, that you sit around and wait for it to come to you, right? Like, you know, there's certainly the right place, right time aspect, but you, you have to want it, too.
2: Oh, sure. Absolutely. Well, you know, I've said um, at this age, I still have a passion for the industry. I mean, I can't think of anything I would prefer doing. I mean at this point obviously uh physically I'm limited but I can still train people. You know, I'm still capable of that. Uh and and, and still love working with young people. I d- still do weekends uh weekend training camps and one-day seminars, you know, when when they I'm called for it. So uh I feel as long as I can contribute. I made a joke out of this for years, but Uh, I'm at a point too, I think when I take my last breath, it'll probably, I'll probably be doing something wrestling related. It seems like I've been doing that all my life anyway.
0: (laughs) Um, So obviously I want to talk about you as a trainer, but I would love to go back and uh, ask you, uh, you know, obviously a lot of us have, have, you know, read some bios, know uh, about the background of your career, but for those that don't, um, how did you get into the business and who had the biggest impact on you when you were starting off? as you know, as a trainer or a mentor figure?
2: Well, uh, I first fell in love with the business. I was, uh, I was about nine years old. I saw it on a neighbor's television. I, we didn't even have a TV at home at the time and it just fascinated me. And, uh, so I became a fan, my mom and dad as well. We started going to the matches and my childhood idol was Buddy Rogers, nature boy, Buddy <laughs> Rogers. And, uh, you know, once I got smart to the business, I realized I couldn't have picked anybody to copy any better, I don't think. So, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, it's, um, well, I started, actually, I guess I attended the first ever legitimate wrestling school, professional wrestling school that was ever existed. That was Tony Santos in Boston. And I was looking for a way to get in the industry. You know, and of course, back when I was a teenager, it was a closed shop. I mean, yeah. K-Fabe was, was in vogue, thank God. But, uh, <laughs> so anyway, I, you know, it's, it's the, nobody can open a door for me. I'm asking, well, I get bigger kid, get experience. Where do I get experience? But in picking up a Wrestling Review magazine, when back then, this would have been 1959, there were probably eight or nine uh, monthly ma- wrestling, pro wrestling magazines on all the newsstands. And Wrestling Review had an article on Tony Santos, who was uh, taking aspiring young athletes who were interested in training to be wrestlers, uh, you know, to train with him in Boston. So I wrote him a letter and got a tri-fold brochure back, which I still have, by the way. Wow. And so uh, at age 19, I packed up in February of 1960, got on a Greyhound bus, and went to Boston. And that's how I broke in the business. And then later, that's where Dusty broke in about nine years after me. The original beautiful Bobby, Bob Harmon from Cincinnati broke in there. Rufus R. Jones broke in there. Luke uh Luke Graham broke in there. So uh and, and I've had a lot of good experienced guys to work around when you know when I broke in there, but that's how it all started for me.
0: And and early on, um, you know, when when you were just out of out of training i mean i guess if you ever really stop training right i mean you're always learning that's the whole point but um early on who were some of the people that had the biggest impact on you um in learning the ropes and and uh and you know, becoming a better wrestler
2: wow uh you know i had so much help from so many good people you know we you hear about the old days and the old timers want to stretch everybody <laughs> and that happened believe me uh when i first started my training while i was still not smart to the business which i wasn't by the way until the first day of my first match <laughs> nobody smart me <laughs> up till then oh, but wow. that first uh few weeks they had to be my rear end every night right to, to see if i was going to stick but um you know, the, uh, Sandy Scott was a big help to me. Mm. Uh, being around Sandy, uh, Pompero Firpo, uh nice. was a big help. Uh, some of the lesser-known guys that I got to be friends with, we all lived in the same rooming house in Boston, was Alex Medina, Ronnie Dupree, um, a, a character named Pat Patterson, <laughs> and uh, Terry Garvin. So, you know, I had some good talent to work with and learn with. In fact, this poster behind me here has uh, from Holyoke Mass in 1961 has a match with Les Malady, the real Les Thatcher, and <laughs> Pat Patterson, and uh, we were both just kids at that point in time, right? So wow. uh, I've been blessed uh, to work with some of the best of the best, and uh, I hope some of it's rubbed off over the years.
0: I, I think it definitely has. And I, again, that's something I want to talk a little bit more about later. But I do have a question um, from Chad Olson, who works on our Legends team, doing a lot of the research and statting of cards that we produce uh, and, and is just a, a fountain of knowledge. Uh, but the question that he had uh, was about your teaming with Roger Kirby, which I know came a little bit later after you would first started and just memories of teaming with Kirby and you know maybe any stories you might have about that.
2: Yeah, well, Roger and I and Dennis Hall, uh, Roger and Dennis are both Indiana boys, and of course, me being a Buckeye. uh, When I first started working for Barnett and uh, and Doyle in 1962, they were there and just getting there. Well, Roger hadn't started yet. Dennis had started. But the three of us became friends. We traveled together and everything. And then in 1966, they were both in Atlanta, and I had just finished up with a promotion in Phoenix, Arizona. was back in Ohio. And so we had been in contact, and I said, "I'm looking for somewhere to go." so my phone rings one day, and Kirby and Hall had gone into the office, and Leo Garibaldi was a booker at that time hmm. and uh you know, he said, "They say you can work, can you?" And I said, "Well, I hope you know <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh we got he gave me a starting date, and not only was that great to to uh team up with Roger and Dennis. But Leo became a dear friend and a hell of a mentor because, to me, that probably may be, along with Eddie Graham, the, the two greatest bookers that ever walked the planet, for God's mm-hmm. sakes. But uh, so we started. Dennis had left. Just as I, uh, just as I went into Atlanta, Dennis had head, headed to Tampa. And so uh, Leo was going to put Roger and I together. And so we came up with the idea for the cousins thing. And the Den- way we included Dennis, well, Dennis and Roger were actually cousins by marriage. So that's where the idea came in. Yeah, so Roger and I uh, started the ball rolling, and then we hooked up with Dennis when we went into the Louisiana territory for Lee Fields in 67, and uh, just snowballed never. Curb was a great worker, great worker, and a a dear friend. Uh, Both of those guys are like brothers by other mothers. (laughs) You know, we were that close, and and, uh, I miss them both every day. I do. Roger was a great, great talent.
0: Uh, I I, – i'm curious as to you know when when kind of going around the different territories and and taking that gimmick other places um did you did you ever have to change things up or were you able to kind of present things pretty similar wherever you landed
2: well yeah you know uh we didn't have people making us into anything back then right Sure. I was well. I, I became Les Thatcher because Jim Barnett got tired of people mispronouncing the name Malady, <laughs> calling Malady, Malady, Mal, you know, and so forth. <laughs> so Barnett came up with the idea for Thatcher, and I was just—I just wanted to wrestle. You call me anything you want. I just—I'm good with it. So, but yeah, um, you know, it was um, wow. I, like I say, I have been blessed to work great. Uh, when I got into broadcasting, great announcers, uh, wrestling with great talent. Uh, they've made me. I mean, if I were being inducted into something today and I had to thank everybody, it would take at least two hours to go through the <laughs> name of all the people I would need to thank over over 61 years. But, uh, you know, it's it's been a hell of a ride, guys. It really has. And, and uh, I hope the good Lord will let me go ride a few more years or a few more days anyway.
0: <laughs> we certainly hope so as well. Um, I, you know, I want to talk about broadcasting, actually. Uh, you were working up in Canada, right? At the time when you started broadcasting yes. for the first time. Yeah. Well, how did that start for you?
2: Well, Rudy Kay, who was a promoter up there, he and I were next door neighbors in Charlotte and had worked together as, as partners several times and, and had traveled together. And you know, when you're on the road in a car, you talk about anything and everything. And back in the, when I first broke in the business, uh, most of the time the, the guy in, uh, that was a wrestling announcer or host was probably the local uh, kids host or the local weatherman <laughs> and didn't really care much about wrestling. Right. He was about getting himself over. Yeah. And so when I first went to Tampa in 67, when I, I was made NWA rookie of the year, I met Gordon Soli And I said, yes, this is what a wrestling commentator is supposed to be like. And so, it fired me up to want to do, you know, I'm thinking, okay, that's something to do. So, anyway, uh, Rudy's commentator was originally from uh, Toronto, and uh, I was up there for the season, April uh, through uh, mid-October. And um, so, anyway, he there was a death in the family, and he had to go back to Toronto. So, Rudy threw me into the fire, so to speak. He, he told me on Monday in Moncton, To bring my uh, suit because on Tuesday morning, I was, or or excuse me, Wednesday morning, I was going to host the wrestling TV show in Halifax. I'd never (laughs) seen a format, had never queued in or out of a segment. And back then, it was only one guy on the desk. There was no color man and a a play by play guy. So I went in blind, man. (laughs) And, (laughs) And probably, I probably did that first show and didn't wake up. Until I left that studio, right? I was calm at those. but I, for some reason, it, it came out good, and so I did. I was. I thought I'd just end up doing a couple of weeks, and then Rudy came to me and said, uh, "Listen, you're doing a good job. I want to leave uh, the other guy in Toronto with his family. I'll pay you more, along with you know your guarantees and your stuff for the wrestling, and I want you to finish out the season." So that's how it started, wow. and uh, then. Lord Littlebrook had told Jim Crockett, Sr., uh, I hadn't even, after I left Canada, that I went back to wrestling, right? I'm a wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but Littlebrook had mentioned, we were in uh, the Crockett office, and he mentioned to Mr. Crockett, Why don't you have less on TV? And Mr. Crockett says, why, well, he is on our TV. And he said, No, no. He said, You know, he did Rudy's TV up in the Maritimes last year and did a real good job. And Mr. Crockett said, looked at me, he said, well, you didn't tell me. I said, well, I didn't know I was supposed to. <laughs> so that's, uh, you know, so he started fitting me in with all, you know, they had TV in Charlotte, Raleigh, uh, high point. And so I, he was slip me into the, you know, uh, do color. And, and, uh, so then that morphed into me actually, you know, being the hosting, the, the B show, uh, for quite some time. And then once, uh, Ed Cappell came on board, uh, I took over all the, uh, all the promos in putting them together and hosting them and, and so forth. But, you know, I, I mentioned being blessed. How can you not learn to be a decent commentator when you work with Gordon Soley, Bob Cottle, Lance Russell, and Jim Ross? You'd almost have to be a complete idiot not to know something. <laughs> <laughs> because if that's not the Mount Rushmore of, yeah. of wrestling commentators and I've never met the Mount Rushmore, and I and I'll tell you another guy who never gets enough credit, Charlie Platt, who was doing southeasterns TV in Dothan, Alabama oh. back then. Mm-hmm. I was uh, blessed to work with Charlie, who was a great radio guy and, and a hell of a wrestling uh, play-by-play guy as well. So uh, it's you know I've been charmed. I guess it's mm-hmm. just the only. I, I make a joke after sixty-one plus years. The only thing I haven't done in this business is gotten rich. And I think it's a little late for that, so.
3: <laughs>
0: well, I you know, they always say you get what you give. And clearly, you know, to, to get so much and have these experiences, these rich experiences with other people, I'm sure that people would say the same of you. Um, you mentioned Southeastern, and I have a couple of questions uh, specifically from uh, some of our fans. Uh, Michael Bratta, uh, who's here in Chicago, uh, asks uh, in Southeastern, um, was your role more than just an announcer or were you just working broadcast?
2: No, I was—I uh, had my fingers on a little bit of everything. Uh, well, Ron, to start with, I first wrestled here in Knoxville in 1968 for John Kazana. I've actually worked for five different promotions in this city uh, oh, wow. since 1968. Uh, but uh, I'd, I'd gotten over as a, as a babyface here as a wrestler in '68, '69, part of '70, and so when Ron bought it in '74. He called me. We had become friends in Florida in in 1970 and had uh, maintained the friendship and, and stayed in touch. And he called me and said, I bought Knoxville. I don't know anything about television. I want you to come in and build me a TV show. You have carte blanche as long as it makes sense. And so I love the you know, that, okay, let's do this. Yeah, that And so uh, we built, uh, well, a lot of the things we did for the first time in 1975 on television. It had never been done in wrestling television. And some guys said we couldn't do it. It wouldn't work. But today it's being done in everybody's show every week. So yeah. I guess we did something right back then too. So uh, I, I'm very proud of the innovations that we did with, but yeah, I helped Ron behind the scenes as well. Uh, was, you know, I was a sounding board, but then I, you know, uh, besides producing the television, well, I wrestle actually, when he first bought the territory. Uh, Nelson Royal and I were the baby fa- uh, top baby-faced uh, team, mm. and we we had a, f- a fuse going on and everything, and then when Nelson uh, phased out and uh, went on to be the NWA junior heavyweight champion, uh, you know, I got more involved with... Uh, well, I did a lot of the PR work here, too. We... Uh, we had charity softball games uh we had uh, a charity basketball game which included uh the current mayor at the time and the former mayor which didn't even speak to each other right <laughs> and former uh U- university of tennessee football players who had played pro ball basketball players who had played pro uh, basketball and things like that so uh we have a, uh, you know it was it was a great time here it was uh, it was a great run with ron and uh I think we'd like to say, I'm proud of what we did in terms of adding to what now is commonplace in wrestling television.
0: Speaking of you know, one of the questions that we had from Carl Zilla uh, was uh, about the creation of the personality profile um, and how you guys sought that up. Um, and if you had a favorite personality profile interview.
2: Well, you know how I came up with the idea is um, in 1966 in Atlanta, the first time I was on TV and Ed Capral was going to interview me, Leo said, you don't, we don't have you figured into an angle here or a storyline by <laughs> current uh, terminologies." And he said, but is that drag racing stuff that you, on your PRs, is, is that a shooter? Is that a work? I said, no, it's a shoot. I was driving dra- uh, drag cars when I was 15. Before I had a driver's license to drive on the street, I was driving a racetrack. Wow! And so I said, no, it's a real thing. She you no know anything about drag racing in, in uh, Georgia. I said, yes, talk about it. Ed's going to ask you. So then the following week, we were in Augusta, Georgia at Bell Auditorium. And a lady said, my grandson wants to talk to you. You're going to be standing out. I said, yes, ma'am. So he was 13 or 14 years old. I was signed his uh, autograph book. And I said, do you come to Bell Auditorium every week with your grandmother? And before he could answer, she said, first time he's ever been here. <laughs> nice. uh, he comes to my house and watches uh, wrestling every Saturday with me. But until he had heard you talking about hot rods, he didn't want to come. He wanted to meet you because of the hot rods. So right away I thought, I've sold a wrestling ticket, not because anything to do with wrestling, but because yeah. a young man has a comparable hobby, right? We identify in some other field, which was part of the thing. And then, um, you know, football back before they had, 15 ex ball players doing analysts at halftime. They had to (laughs) fill that halftime with something besides marching bands. And they were doing something similar, like maybe at a, you know, a defensive lineman who was ripping people's heads off in football was coaching a little league baseball team or something. But, you know, the yin and the yang, the behind the scenes thing, which fascinated me as well. So when I came up with the idea for personality profile, I'm thinking, why don't we do the same thing with wrestlers, right? Well, NASCAR is the same thing, too. If you drive a Ford, you, and you, if you like NASCAR, you probably like a driver who races a Ford, right? It's, it's the identification thing. So that's why I came up with the idea for the profile. And I think uh, to really say, how did it, did it work? Uh, one of my favorites was uh, one of the early ones, Bob Armstrong and I did together. And when we traveled, uh, before that, we used to play a game. We're both into 50s doo wop groups, right? Doo wop music. Mm-hmm. And so he'd throw a name of a song out and I'd have to name the group. And then I'd name a song and he'd have to name the group. So toward the end of this pre-tape five minutes, I said, Remember that game we used to play on the, on, uh, on the road? Yeah. He said, Where I always beat you. I said, Now, wait a minute, right? So <laughs> this, is all, this is all improv. At, at this, none of this is planned. And so he said, Well, let's see. Right, so he threw out a band, then I hit the name, and he th- I threw out one, he hit the name, and we were about ready to get out of segment. I said, okay, we'll call it a draw, and we'll go on from here. <laughs> the next fr- uh, Friday night at the Coliseum here in Knoxville, a well-dressed young lady walks up to me. Are you Mr. Thatcher? Yes, ma'am. Well, I'm the secretary for professor, I don't remember the name, too many years ago, guys. Uh, professor Sozo, head of the uh, whatever department, history department at the University of Tennessee. And he's into 50s doo-wop music. Now, he wondered if you guys are just talking about this because it's part of the wrestling show, or do you really know anything? I said, no, we're both big fans. She handed me two self-addressed envelopes. And in those envelopes were two typed pages of questions for Bob and I about (laughs) doo-wop music from the 50s. He wanted to see if we we really knew what we were talking about. So we had drawn this Professor in, you know, to a, I mean, he was watching anyway, but now we're tied to him with something other than wrestling. So that was why, you know, that was the idea. And of course, a lot of people said, okay, you're going to pre-tape it. It's going to be low key. You can't do that in the middle of a wrestling show. Why? Well, you're going to lose your heat and you never get it back wrong and wrong. Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah. didn't, we didn't lose it. We got it back. And today you see a lot of sit down, low key interviews with people, right? Yeah. So
0: do you, when it, when it comes to those sorts of interviews, I think that, you know, there are different companies that do things different ways. Um, obviously like you were talking about with those, they were improv. They were, you were just talking. Do you think yes. that the scripting has, has hurt the effectiveness of those types? of How situations? many hours do we
2: have? <laughs> as
0: long as you want to go, sir. <laughs>
2: no, has scripting hurt? Is the Pope Catholic, etc., <laughs> etc. Cetera, et cetera. Yes, yeah. it, yes, it certainly has. It certainly has. Absolutely, yeah. Um, scripting the matches is even mm-hmm. probably even more detrimental to the industry than scripting the promos. But yeah, uh, well, I think that was the beauty of our business. The art of our business is improv. Yeah, it's like calling a match in the ring you right. know uh, you, you don't know those people sitting out there yet you're going to sit in the dressing room and lay out a match step for step and expect them to buy it but what if they don't what are you going to do then Right. panic <laughs> <laughs> call time out and say we need to go back to the dressing room and lay out another match we'll be back in 45 minutes or something no you know so yeah so the imp- yes that's that, and that's still the way I think the the great coaches of this business, the great teachers, still teach. Yeah. And now, I've always said, if somebody offers you a million dollars to act a fool and script it all, <laughs> take the money and run. Pay no <laughs> attention to what I said. <laughs> because it is a business and because you're in it to make money, right? Right. But, yes, I, I think... Uh, Improv is the beautiful part of, of building a match on the fly or, or doing a promo off the top of your head. I don't know any of the great, you know, we, when we talk about great promos like Dusty or Flair or Blackjack Mulligan or any of those guys, you realize they didn't write anything. They might have had bullet points in their head. Sure. You know, I know J.J. J. Dillon used to keep a little notebook where he'd pick up a line from a newspaper or magazine, but he didn't write a promo out, right? right. But he would throw that line in. So uh, yeah, I, I think improv is very much missed in the industry across the board.
0: Yeah, we yeah you know, we just did a show recently on Roddy Piper, and that was one of the things we were talking about is that how, you know how he had his notebook and how he was always working and writing, but that when it came yeah. to what he did out there, it was he wasn't scripting his promos. It was it just he just was working on it, you know, because you have to sure. you have to hone your craft. Um, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I love that, and I think of it too as the analogy with like almost live music. To me, I always want to go see a band that does something a little bit different than what you heard on the record. That that
2: that in well, the crowd
0: that you know gets yeah.
2: that, that connection. I think a good uh, analogy is uh, Mike Johnson, that's with PW Insider. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, uh, do you do you like opera or do you like classical music? Because that is all. By the note, right on that sheet, you don't vary. Yeah. Or do you like jazz? Yeah, three different jazz musicians can play the same song and it won't sound the same, right? Because they're adding their little bit of their self to it or this or that. So yeah, I'm a j- I like the jazz better than I do the uh, the classical stuff, and and that's what I like about the wrestling business. When I see a paint, what I call a paint by numbers match, yeah, i would kind of I lose my interest because Absolutely. I realize that there's nothing being done there. That's just, uh, you know, off the top of their heads.
0: So I, I, you know, I, I don't want to skip over large chunks of your career, but that said, in the interest of time, I do want to talk about training and I, and I want to talk about HWA. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, this is another question from Chad Olson. Um, when you started, Heartland Wrestling Association. Was there anybody that stood out to you the most initially when you you, know, when you brought these kids in? Anybody that stood out to you, uh, and who made the most progress along the way? You think?
2: Wow, I'm proud of a bunch of the guys that have come through H- my HWA. Of course, uh, Shark Boy, uh, Nigel McGinnis. Uh, Nigel, I'd have to say, is maybe uh, the the guy I hold up right because he's done so much other than just you know, uh, being a great wrestler yeah, and it's a shame his career was cut short because of health issues. But, uh, I've gosh, don't ask me to say one special because (laughs) there's, there's guys who have never made it to the big dance that I still think belong there. Right. And because you got to realize in our business, it's not like football. If you can kick, pass, block, throw, whatever, uh, you're going to get a contract you can be the greatest wrestler in the world, but if they don't see something else in you, mm-hmm. you're not going to get to work. You're not going to get pushed, right? Because it isn't real. And that, I think, therein lies a big problem, you know, sometimes because people are being overlooked. But, uh, yeah, I'm... Uh, wow. We've had so many guys. Well, when I had the contract, too, I realized I had so many guys. Shannon Moore, uh, Kaz mm-hmm. Hayashi... Jamie Noble through my place, BJ Whitmer, who now produces for AEW, the Blade in Uh AEW started with me, Uh, Pepper Parks. Uh, Yeah, I've I've had so many great kids, and uh, I call. I still try to stay in touch with as many of them as I can, and uh, it's it's amazing to watch them grow, Mm -hmm. and because they are like family. You know, we spend so much time together. It's it's like watching one of my Mm -hmm. own children grow. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, you know, speaking of specific names, uh, you know, somebody that is obviously, I think, on a lot of our minds lately, and is probably one of my favorite guys uh, is John Moxley. And and seeing you know <laughs> everything that he's accomplished, and I've been a fan of his since you know the crazy Deathmatch days to kind of the, right. you know, the early sort of catch stuff that he was doing to you know obviously his NXT WWE style, or actually it was Florida Championship before. Uh, But uh, I would love to hear uh, about, you know, some of your early memories of of Moxley and, you know, your thoughts on his career now compared to maybe where he was, you know,
2: 10, 15 years ago. Well, I, you know, John, uh, John first, uh, he came to HWA when I still owned it, but then he, uh, I was not in preparation to sell it right at that point in time, but, you know, before uh, a year hadn 't even passed, and and I had sold the company, but I had maintained connections and it uh, actually when John first started they had started they had started him with another guy as a t- tag team and it just it it wasn 't working and i mean i I saw it and everything uh but it didn 't jump off the page and I said well these, this guy's going to make it or this guy's going to be good but then a couple years a uh, couple years later uh I started going in on Wednesday nights uh, to HWA and working with the advanced guys. And John was one of the steady guys to show up.
3: Why does
2: he have some boxes up there? Sorry, we have a little bit of audio interference.
3: Organized,
2: that's okay. So, uh, but yeah, John. John was a hard worker, And, and I when I got to work with him more one on one, I realized you know the potential. And the uh, the growth and the promos back then uh, were were good too, but they obviously needed to be uh, you know sharpened and, and uh, <laughs> you know the rough edges taken off. Mm-hmm. But um, when when we finally got around to talking about it, he had talked to Mike Bucci at one point, who at the time was with uh, Talent Relations in WWE, and Mike had said, "If you would put more weight on." I might be able to get you looked at.
3: <laughs>
2: and I said, but you haven't put that weight on. So, uh, And I have a background. I, I did competitive bodybuilding until right. I was 54, 54, and trained bodybuilders, worked with pro bodybuilders as well. So I set him up on a nutritional program, and uh, he still plays around with it, I know, because uh, when he was injured WWE, but one of the things, because of his fast metabolism, I had him setting his alarm clock, for 3 a.m., get up, drink a protein <laughs> shake, go back to bed, right? And he sent me an email during one of his downtimes with WWE. He was getting ready, getting ready to come back. He said, my wife doesn't understand why I get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to drink a protein shake. I had to explain it to her. It's all your fault. I said, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's on me. So, so he put that weight on, so I gave Dr. Tom, who was uh, the head man with uh, mm. training in WWE at the time, I gave Tom a call. I said, this kid deserves a look. So that's how it started. I, I'm happy for him. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, uh, he, he loves the, the hardcore stuff. Yeah. Because I know I, I, when he was at CZW, I said, why do you want to do this? <laughs> it's just a lot of fun. Okay. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, um, but yeah, and- I'm happy for him. He's, he's a hell of a hand, and, and he's done a heck of a job, I think.
0: I think he's one of those rare talents too, that he he has so many unique qualities, you know, and this is no offense because there are so many talented individuals out there, but a lot of guys kind of, they fit into similar boxes. And I feel like John's one of those guys you can't really put in a box.
2: No, you can't. You're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: So uh, uh, another uh, quick question here uh, from our friend, Tim Dalton, who also works on the legends team and and stats cards and has, you know, been playing the game for since its inception, pretty much. Uh, And that is uh, Brian Hildebrand had a cat named Thatcher and your thoughts on that
2: cat. (laughs) Yes, he did. And you want to know why he named the cat Thatcher, right? Yes, sir. (laughs) I, I asked the same damn question. Why is that cat named Thatcher? He said, because, that cat never has a hair out of place
3: ah.
2: because that was part of the joke when, when I was doing TV. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm lucky. I've, I've got hair. right? It's <laughs> why? I don't know. But I, you know, to me, if I'm going to, if I was going to be on the TV show, I'm going to look like I belong on a TV show. Right. Yeah. But it was, it was an ongoing joke with several of the boys. Right. And, uh, <laughs> So the first time I called there and the machine picked up. And uh it was what Brian and Pam and Renfield and Thatcher aren't home right now. And I said, wait a minute, who the hell's Thatcher? <laughs> <laughs> right. So when I got a hold of him, that's my cat. But that's the reason, because because the cat never had a hair out of place.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's fantastic. Um Well, again, out of respect for for time, I'm only going to ask a couple more questions, but I did want to at least take a moment to mention that uh, recently with the release of the Brian Pillman memorial shows, um, I I'm so glad that those were released because I, I, you know, I was a big fan, obviously, of reading about those shows, seeing a couple of matches from those shows, but I never got to attend them. And now to have those available, to see the work that went into that, the guys that you had, um, there's something I think so incredibly special about those shows that unfortunately yes. I don't think could be duplicated today and really couldn't no. have been done before they occurred. So I don't really have a question there. I just wanna express some gratitude to you for those shows because I think that they're really incredibly important in, in the annals of, of wrestling history, especially for
2: the past 34 years. Thank you, I appreciate that. And I'm so proud of them and everybody that was involved and realize the guys from EC, well, here's the thing. Uh, the only place in the world in 1998 99 2000 2001 you could see ECW wrestlers WCW wrestlers and WWF wrestlers all in the same building on the same night was at the Pillman Memorial Show yeah and i felt honored that the companies trusted me with their you know mixing their talent like that that we would take you know give everybody over and take care of everybody but yeah i i'm those pillman show and you, you've obviously seen the uh, 20th anniversary set, right? Yes, sir. Yep. Uh, I, I watched it. You know, it was so much fun with Joe to put that together. Yeah. But in watching it myself, I said, well, I say it on the, on the, the tape on this, uh, disc a few times. I had never seen that before. I mean, I'm so busy with merchandise and the dressing room and the box office and stuff. I didn't get to see all the batches. So some of it was fresh to me as well. Right. Yeah. But realize all the top guys from the three big companies were giving up a day off mm-hmm. to be with their own families to rest up. And if you watched it, then you realize nobody phoned it in at those shows.
3: Yeah. Everybody
2: yeah. busted their butts on those shows. and, uh, I'm proud of the shows, but uh, more importantly, proud of all the people that put in their time and energy uh, to make it happen. And uh, I'm—I'm just—I—I I'm, I didn't realize how uh, excited people would be about getting that 20th anniversary set. But then I realized if you weren't at those shows, then you hadn't seen any of those yeah. shows, and, and they had become mystical and and sort of. Uh, I don't know, they had an an aura about them and people would talk about. Well, the Benoit and Regal match. Mm -hmm. I mean, I use that for training. I know Dr. Tom does as well and several other guys. Uh, But matches like that, where do you you get those? First year we had, the first year, Terry Taylor was uh, still with WCW. And uh, he had come up to watch the show. And uh, Benoit and Jericho were the main event on the first show. Oh. And I was sitting with uh, Terry up in the bleachers, and he said, "Damn, those guys are working harder for you for nothing than they did for us." When he said, <laughs> <gets> "Hey," <laughs> <Right? laughs> but you know, I, 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 think, I think part of it was that that, set, that first year set the tone because uh, Chris and Chris got me off to the side and addressed and He said, "What do you want us to do?" Hmm. I said, "Yeah, I want you to go out and tear the roof off the place." right? What do you want to do? I want you to go out and do what you guys feel is going to get this show over. Right. And that's, I never told, I mean, obviously it's charity show. So you're going to put the baby faces over unless there's a title that you can't obviously change at that show. Uh, But I never told her how to work, you know, just go out there and give me the best you got.
3: Yeah.
2: And uh, yeah, that, uh, and, and of course that Benoit Regal match, if that wasn't the highlight of the four years, then I know it would have been. I already had my name title for the fourth year Benoit Riggle, The Return, <laughs> Pilman 01, right? Except Chris had to have the uh, neck surgery, yeah. and so we couldn't make it happen.
0: Mm, mm. Um uh, I, I obviously I'm getting comments here in the chat that people could listen to this all day and and I am certainly uh, of that same mind. Uh, but one of the uh, just like I said, just a couple more questions. One of the things I wanted to ask you about was that I know that you wrestled as a junior heavyweight for a time, and yeah. the the use of weight divisions in wrestling is something that we don't really see anymore, especially in North America. A little bit in Mexico, um, it, but it's not emphasized the way that it used to be. Even in Mexico, Japan obviously still does it. Do you think that the use of weight divisions? In in the United States and in our wrestling scene in particular, is there, is there a place for that? Or do you think that sure. that time has kind of gone by?
2: No, I don't think so. Well, as MMA still have weight divisions, mm-hmm. of course exactly. they do. Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah, I see a value in them. Well, I, there's a lot of what everybody calls old school. That is still that. Va- I mean, well, here's the thing too, In talking about training, the foundation, the basics are the basics, right? I mean, that's, the basics today are the same as they were 61 plus years ago when I was being trained, right? Yeah. And, you know, the example I, I use there, guys, is you know, uh, a movie that won Best Dramatic Film at the, the Academy Awards, let's say in 1950, and a movie that wins it in 2021, the basics for both those movies are the same. You know, costuming has changed, technology has changed, but the foundation, the the way the story is put together, the way the actors portray, that's not going to change a lick, not at all, right? So my question is, uh, why are we trying to fix something that's not broken? And -hmm. we're breaking it even worse as we go. We are. I mean, uh, to me, uh, I I, I don't have an affiliation with any federation, but God bless uh, Brian Danielson. <laughs> Love the the dragon has brought wrestling back to the TV screen. Yeah. And uh, I thought his uh, matches with uh, Paige were uh, both those matches. Yeah. I mean, now, I'm a detailed guy. That's the way I grew up in this business. So I can pick those apart. Give me a Flair and a Steamboat match, and I'll find a way. I'll tell you this would be better if you did this or did that. <laughs> but realize that's what makes them good as well. Because yeah. they understand they can always do more. They can yeah. always do more. The, the, the greatest in the business, well, I, 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 a quick thing about, I just crossed my mind, when uh, Dragon was still with Ring of Honor, uh, I'd gone to one of the shows in Dayton, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And the show was over, and I would say goodnight to everybody and get ready to leave. He, he was coming out of the dressing room and uh, said, uh, see you later. And, and he said to me, what we do wrong? He didn't ask me if the match was good or what I thought. What did we do wrong? Yeah, and that's one of the reasons he said damn good because he's concerned with that, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, and a page is. uh, I saw the value in him. I saw him do his first job on Ring of Honor television. I'd never laid eyes on the kid before in my life, but I was in the process of putting together talent. Uh, because I've been hired to book a year long tournament in Los Angeles in 2012 and 13. And I was just happened to be watching Ring of Honor. And I saw him. I don't remember who the guy was he did the job for. But I said, damn, I like that kid. He's fresh. <laughs> he's got a good look. I called Kevin Kelly and I said, Kevin, can you give me the contact information on this kid page? He said, yeah. He said, you see money in him, don't you? I said, yeah, I do. <laughs> All right but I'm happy for him. He's, he's a great kid. And yeah. uh, those guys are having some tremendous matches. They really are.
0: So here's a, here's a, here's a question out of those two matches, the time limit draw, and then the, uh, the shorter match, which one did you prefer?
2: The time limit draw. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I'll tell you why. Yeah, please, please. Because there were about 400 headbutts too many in the second match. I kept, I kept saying to my TV to page, go down, damn it. Mm. Go down. <laughs> right. And the guy I was watching with me, I said, if there were a concussion protocol, this was a shoot. He'd be out for 88 months, for God's sakes, with all those sure. damn headbutts, right? They got carried away, and it, it you can overdo things, too. But, but yeah, the, the, well, it, it, do you realize some young fans said, why would they go a whole hour on a TV show? <laughs> and I wanted, to, I didn't know if I wanted to cut my wrists and die or shoot them for saying I wasn't sure which, which position to take, right? <laughs> but, you know, there again, if you haven't seen that, you can't understand it, yeah. right? And yeah. there's one of the problems that the, the full time trainers today I, that I talk to, the ones that I believe in, there's, there's a million people out there saying, I'm a trainer. And I can tell you, I'm a basketball player, too. But I'm just about a <laughs> foot and a half too damn short. Uh, but, you know, uh, the trainers try to teach sound basics. And so many of these kids that are coming in just watching what they've seen the last few years don't even know what the hell a sound basic is. Yeah, You mean a dive's not a sound basic? Is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it, it's tough to teach. I mean, you know, back when I was watching and learning, I knew a top wrist lock, drop. You know, this. You know, you you watched holes. You saw them all the time. Now, if you really start watching the matches, how many holes do you actually see in the course of an average match today? Right. So now I'm trying to teach this kid. This, he's looking at me like when we learned to dive, right? <laughs> Yeah. What yeah. are you going to do the comedy? That's not funny. I don't know. What are you going to do? that? Well, you know, I mean,
0: obviously you mentioned Brian Danielson, Adam Page and there and there are guys, you know, Eddie Kingston, I think either CM Punk, you know, right now. I mean, there are guys out there that are clearly, you know, working those foundations and saying that this is what's important. And we can add a little stuff here and there. But, but like you say, the foundation is, is obviously right. the most important part. Um, speaking of foundations, one of the foundations for, this is another awkward transition, but one of the foundations for, uh, the past couple of years for us in, in not only getting new names signed to the game with legends of wrestling and, and being important to our relationship with the Tragos and Thes, uh, hall of fame, um, has been Jerry Briscoe. And, uh, I would love to, uh, to hear, hear some Jerry Briscoe stories from Les Thatcher. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Todd, Todd quizzed me on that the other day. He said, you got to have a Jerry Briscoe story. I said, the good Jerry Briscoe stories, I can't tell. That's right? what he those, said. <laughs> those will live in infamy right? yeah. <laughs> and in seclusion. No, I'll, I'll tell you a, a story that I've told about Jerry a couple times, and it's it's about me as well. He got, this is back in the 70s. We were in Charlotte, and he... I got us tickets to Rod Stewart concert at Memorial uh, Stadium. It was a big outdoor stadium on in, uh, Independence Boulevard. And so it's for Saturday. I said, we're booked in Spartanburg Saturday night. Spartanburg is like 75, 80 miles south, right on, on yeah. I-85. That's all right. We'll make it. We'll make it. Jerry had a uh, Mercedes Roadster at the time, and uh, we were tooling around in that. So anyway, we go to Spartanburg Saturday night. And I get my match, and I jump out and get in the shower and get my stuff together. And the minute he's out of the and we jump in that Mercedes, and we head up I-85. Bro. And he's got that needle up at the 100 mark, right, is when he <laughs> can get it there. We're going to get to that concert. So we get to Charlotte. He gets off the interstate, and he's, he's running as best he can on his back streets, too. We get to the Memorial Stadium. No place to park nearby. Oh. We have to park six blocks from the stadium, right? <laughs> now we're sprinting, right, <laughs> to get back to the stadium. We don't want to miss any more of the concert than we just have to. Give our tickets, and it's, concert, it's festival seating, so we're trying to work our way up to the front, and the uh, uh, host comes on the microphone. At, at, when we walked in the stadium, nothing was going on right at the time. He comes up, and he said, and for his last song tonight, Rod oh. wants to do... Ah right! I looked at Jerry, I said, what the hell? Right. <laughs> so that's what we saw. We saw one song, Rod. Oh, we saw God. Rod Stewart close his show. And that's, we'd run, took a chance, killing ourselves on the highway and, and everything. So that's one of my easy Jerry Briscoe stories. I love Jerry. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, him and Jack. And well, you know, we put out the first wrestling t-shirt, the three. Yeah. Of
0: All right. Yeah. Chad actually mentioned that you shared uh, that Jerry shared that on Twitter uh, not too long ago. Actually, a picture of the of the T shirt. How did how did that come about? What what made you guys say we're going to do a T shirt?
2: Well, I had had the idea. Well, you know, T shirts in the '60s got you know bands and and there were you know there were no plain T shirts anymore. Every it seemed like every T shirt has something on it. So in this uh, in the early '70s, late '60s, I'm thinking. Shouldn't couldn't the baby faces sell you know sell T-shirts or banners or something? So I had approached a couple of promoters and brought this up to them, and I said, I think it would work, and and they were more, we're not into merchandise, we're wrestling promoters, right? And if you realize back then, until we started the magazines with Crockett, there was you could buy an eight by ten, but if you were buying mine, you were I was the one selling it. The you know the promotions yeah. didn't sell anything like that, right? And so, anyway, Jack and Jerry and I were sitting in Jerry's apartment in Charlotte one night having a couple of adult beverages and, and just kicking you know, things around, talking about everything in general. And I brought up my frustration about the T-shirts. And Jack said, well, why don't we do it? I said, we? He said, the three of us. We'll all throw in <laughs> a third, and we'll do the T-shirts. Really? Yeah, okay. So, that's... We... Uh, Jack, of course, was traveling at the time, and he wasn't living and Jerry and I were living in Charlotte, so we found a printer, uh, made a deal for the shirts, and we got the, the deal started. And they were selling really well. And we started putting some ads. Well, I was doing uh, the Charlotte magazine. I was doing the Atlanta program at the same time, so I've, I was sticking the ads for the T-shirts in there. And like I say, we, it's not that we were entrepreneurs or, or business people, right? I'm talking about you know, profit margins and stuff. We were wrestlers for Christ's sake, <laughs> but then, so things were going really well. And, uh, the t-shirts were selling well. And then the promoters realized they were selling well. And guess what?
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> the promoters wanted a piece of the action. So when you kick the promoters in, plus a piece goes to the building, plus, plus the print, you know, cost to make the shirt. Uh, and the other part was, um, I'm Jerry and I are moving around and I'm the one is I'm when I went to Atlanta to, uh, during the war to do the TV and work in the office there with Gordon. Uh, I got a two bedroom apartment for just me. The second bedroom was for t-shirts. I had all these what? damn t-shirts in, in there, right? So but my dad and mom, uh, took the, the pressure off the three of us and, uh, I got all the shirts to them and up in Cincinnati and we start doing just mail order at that point, because I think I can't be hauling these things around the country with me all the time. Right. <laughs> but yeah, so we got the thing started and uh, like I say it, you know, we, we finally dropped it because it you know, there wasn't a much that much in it for us. If we started, you know, cutting everybody else in on the deal, right, right. but God, I've, I've said to Jerry, can you imagine if some way we had have got some kind of uh, trademark or if we were getting 1% of the net on all wrestling t-shirts that are being sold today, hell boys, we wouldn't be, you guys, I'd fly you guys (laughs) here and we'd sit down and talk about this live (laughs) In, in my castle. (laughs) (laughs) Right? <laughs> <laughs> don't I wish but yeah, yeah that was so it just you know but like I said all so many of the things that I've been involved in just happened right it wasn't like I had this plan you know this long-term plan that I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this you see things came up and I thought yeah that sounds like fun let's see if I can if I'm any good at it so <laughs> that's that's the way the t-shirt started too Improv. It's all improv. Yeah. <laughs>
0: oh, Mr. Thatcher, uh, I could do this every damn day.
2: Thank you so, Mr. so much. Mr. Thatcher is my father <laughs> if he were alive.
0: <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> well, I had to put some respect on your name because this has been. Thank a blast. you. I appreciate it. Uh, I, I cannot tell you how much fun it's been for all of us. And, and like I said, I could do this every day. Uh, we have something that we want to share now with all of the participants in the room and you as well. Uh, and that is, of course, the official artwork for your upcoming card in the next legends of wrestling set um and i believe todd do you have that queued up for us i do all right here we go
2: wow there it is. <laughs> ah, that's great man <laughs> that <Yeah>. is great <laughs> This uh,
0: this will be like I said in the next set, and that will uh, that will drop. Uh, I believe
1: that'll be on, on
0: March. Then yeah, March yeah, March of this year. So um, uh,
2: you want a story about those trunks?
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't see why not.
2: <laughs> when uh, uh, Crockett's were looking for a number two babyface tag team uh, to put in, uh, stick in behind Becker and Weaver, and seventy one. Mm-hmm. and they were calling around. And uh, so Louis Tillett in the Florida office thought that Danny Miller and I, because we're both Buckeyes, I don't know what that had to do with anything, uh, would be a good team. So they we had both worked at Carolina. Excuse me. So they said, uh, you know, good, we'll bring them in. So those trunks were made, Car- those Carl and Hildegard, obviously. Fourth uh, of July, we were the. it was a double main event. It was Weaver, Johnny Weaver against Dory for the title. Mm. And Danny and I were in a hair versus mask match with the Mask Marvels, which were uh, Jim Starr and Willie Garrett. And we had those trunks made. And you can see just in, in like in the corner under my left arm, actually that is a, uh, a hand in red, white, and blue with stars given the peace sign. And oh, so that's wow. what those trunks that's what those trunks are made for Fourth of July 1971 uh, for the big show at Charlotte Coliseum. That's so cool. I wish I had that tan. God, man, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I well, I
0: you know, I, I I almost feel like I just want to junk the rest of the the the, the con and sit here and talk to you. But uh, I, I cannot thank you enough for for you know sharing with us, for spending your time with us, um, for obviously you know granting us the ability to produce a, a game card for you, include you in this game. One of the things that we're all passionate about here is we work so hard to just preserve the history of the game and and the names that have meant so much to it. And someone like you, uh, you know... I've listened to you talk for years now between the podcasts and, you know, the radio shows and everything else. And I, I feel so fortunate to have the ability to talk with you like this and actually thank ask you. the questions um, and, and certainly being able to include, you know, you in that group of people as we seek to preserve the history and and spread the history of the business. Uh, I, I just can't thank you enough and I can't thank you enough for sharing your stories with us today.
2: I can't thank you guys enough for having me uh, be a part of your Legends card, and I'm honored by that. I, I truly am. And uh, thank you so much. And I've enjoyed sitting here, hanging out with you guys. <laughs> and and Tom, if you call again, I'll try to remember this time, all right? But, but don't wait until I'm Sounds... 101, okay? My <laughs> a little foggy. Sounds good. But listen, thank you guys so much. I, I've enjoyed it, and uh, I'm just amazed that this... Uh, cult that you <laughs> you build around the game. I I told Todd the other day when uh, you he first put the announcement up on Twitter that I was going to be a guest. And a couple friends of mine I didn't even know played the game said, "Hey, I'm I've got that game." It, I thought, "Wow, that's great." So yeah, I'm I'm honored to be on it, and uh, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you guys and talking. And thank you for respecting the industry and preserving uh, the history of it. I appreciate it so much. God bless you all. And enjoy the convention, please, and enjoy the game. Thank you so much, Les. I hope we get Thank the chance to do this again sometime. Yeah, uh, let's, Anytime. Just give me a sh- – we figure out how I can get on here and, and do this. With- <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, <laughs> maybe um, i'll get stay live long enough to get smart about that i don't know but guys <laughs> thank you so much Thanks. hey
1: everyone if you want to take yourselves off a mute let's give them a big round of applause thank you so much Les. thank
2: you thank man. you, guys. Thank, you, thank, you uh, thank you thank you for uh thank you, for you all, thank you all. Awesome. i've, been, you I've so enjoyed awesome. it so much
0: Todd, uh you're gonna get sick of hearing me say this i'm probably gonna say it a lot i i that was genuinely just a highlight of my entire <laughs> wrestling related, you know, air quotes, career slash hobby, whatever. Uh, I I've, I've had the the pleasure to interview quite a few folks, meet quite a few cool people have extended conversations with people, not just a shake your hand, meet and greet sort of thing. And, um, I think out of everyone that I've shared some space with in the wrestling world, that that was probably just my favorite experience. Um, That's great. yeah, it, it was just, so wonderful to hear him talk, and the great thing is is like as a fan you know you can't help but learn um you know as a uh as an observer, if you will uh you know there are certain things that that I might not um that I might not go into the conversation with him uh thinking like you know oh yes you know this is this is right like one of the things that i that I thought was funny is when I asked him about the um ryan danielson adam page matches and was like which one was your favorite i i was kind of hoping that he would say the shorter match the huh, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. because that was my favorite of the two right, right right but the thing is is like when he said the the iron man match or the iron man the the, the draw was i was just kind of like okay but why and then as soon as he mentioned too many headbutts, i was just like Son of a bitch, he's right. You know, it's like it's one of those things where just, we, we, you just—you might kind of go in, and, and, and I mean, that's the great thing. That's the great thing when you talk to somebody like that. And, and at eighty-two years old with six decades in the business, the man is still so passionate about professional wrestling. So passionate about this business that he's been involved in from every angle—no pun intended. You know, whether it's through <laughs> right. ring work or the storylines or the production or the broadcasting or everything. Like he knows so much and is just so passionate about. It. At all and sharp as attack. like it was just such
1: an honor it really was No, no he, he was great i mean you know and it's kind of it's funny a couple months ago um he was tagged in a post i believe by bazzy if i'm not <laughs> mistaken uh just kind of with a, some fed results and saw the picture of his card there and it was like hey i need to get a, a you know, copy of this there and so you know i just kind of went back and forth with him online uh you know through twitter messages and he was just great there and so I just yeah it just kind of you know started with that and then when we were kind of coming up with you know the perennial here and and the next set theme, he kind of fit within it. I'm like, hey, can we like get a card, and maybe we'll get him on the thing. And everyone's like, yeah, let's do it, and yeah. it worked out. And I'm very, very uh, happy that happened.
0: And it was awesome too because he had that wonderful story about the tights that he was wearing on the yeah card Like, I just so yeah, he, guys got a story for everything, and um, and not and not in a you know a sort of. Uh, you know a a carny way if you if you will forgive my (laughs) but like genuine like he really does have memories and stories attached to just about anything you could possibly ask him and um (laughs) I had a lot of fun I feel like we were able to cover a wide range of topics um and you know and get and get somewhat deep on a couple of those things that it wasn't just you know we didn't just kind of gloss through things sometimes I feel like when we have certain interviews or we talk about certain things we don't get to you know, we barely get to scratch the surface, even with our Piper episode. You know, by the time that was over, there was a part of me that was just sort of like, man, we barely scratched the surface on Piper. Um, but this didn't feel that way. This, just, you know, this And luckily, this is, you know, hopefully just chapter one, uh, but uh, such a great time. And, and I'm so grateful for him giving his time and, and being there with us and being so frank and so open and uh, just having a great conversation um, and I and I want to thank everyone that had questions for him. Uh, Tim Dalton with the question uh, about Brian Hildebrand's cat, <laughs> so freaking perfect. Uh, and uh, of course, Michael Bradda had questions, uh, which was great. Chad Olson had some questions, which was great. Uh, um, you, you know, there were uh, there were others. I don't, unfortunately, I don't have my notes right next to me. I apologize to to the folks that I'm leaving out. But uh, I, I'm so grateful for the questions that everyone asked because I, I decided after getting because I felt like we, I got such great questions that I, I, I kind of threw most of my questions out the window. You know, I still asked a few and I still kind of kept the conversation moving or whatever. But the truth of the matter is that interview was pretty much entirely prompted by the questions I got from other people there in the chat, That's great. which yeah, That's great. which I, I love that. I love that level of interactivity. And, and I hope that we can continue that um, as we, you know, as, as we go forward on this sort of stuff. Um so, uh, you know, the other thing that was awesome, of course, about the perennials that we were able to get in addition to the Les Thatcher reveal, uh, some teases for the, you know, the other game lines. Um, and we might as well talk about those right now. Sure. Um, for uh, Kronos, uh, Rob Bobian showed us Mentor and Mentress. Um, you know, I, full disclosure, I've read the the booklet, as of course as Todd. Yeah. Um, so, so I know. I know where this guy's coming from, Um, and I I don't want to risk spoiling anything, but I will just say that it's a really, really cool way to get him into Kronos, and uh, I think there's some really cool uh, um, elements of of his character that that certainly uh, will, much in the same way with Screwjob when we first saw that art, like, you you look at it and you just kind of you know this, this stunning piece of kind of you know almost like comic book art uh, and and the story that goes with it m- meets that you know it matches the the level of the art for sure. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean I think it's great artwork. I think it's a great character. I think people are really gonna like him
1: yeah absolutely and yeah just and overall just announcing that chronos is the first quarter set i know there's a lot of questions of what it would be you know there's a couple different things you know i know just some guesses oh it might be this new project tom's working on or it could be you know the the new reimagined set or you know who, who knows there um but yeah i know i know rob kind of um, I was looking to kind of wrap up this year and it was like, okay, you know, why don't we kind of wrap up everything now? It's been, you know, it's been over a year since the last chrono set, you know, we just had the you know, introduction with the, uh, commander Sam and his group, and it just kind of seemed like the right time to, to kind of, to, to do that and wrap that uh, story up there. Um, and, uh, yeah, the mentor, his, his, uh, I love his art. I like the story. I like the team he's with. Especially one member of the team, which yeah. I'm sure you'll, you know, everyone will see later on. Uh, but um, yeah, overall, yeah, just very excited uh, to have that that set there, and it, it'll be a, it'll be a big set. Uh, but yeah. it'll, you know, that kind of has a lot going on in it, a lot of storyline yeah. with it. It's, a, it's um, a big book. It's a big book. <laughs> it's it's. As Rob said it could have been probably stretched out over a couple editions, but you know, but hey, you know, it's all kind of here, and you can kind of play it out as, as you wish, you know, whether yeah. you want to stretch it out or whatnot, it kind of sets things up that in a couple of cool ways where you can kind of play out storylines, you can kind of play out, uh, you know, like a tournament and kind of bring in guys, you know, even guys outside of it, outside of, you know, the, the, the set chronos there for, for that too. So I think he's kind of set it up in a, in a neat way to kind of play there. So
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, the sandbox analogy that I've used a couple of times, you know, the reason why I do is I feel like it does fit so perfectly. You know, he gives you the sandbox to play and, and uh, there's a lot of cool toys to to play with. So uh, I'm looking forward to the rest of the reveals because I have not seen any of the art. For the set, I've only oh. seen the booklet and the stats. So I'm really looking forward to seeing seeing the rest of the art. Um, next up, uh, on actually one more thing kind of COTG related, we did get confirmation <laughs> from Mike that uh, we will be having the rest of the black and white sets uh, released online over the course of this year, which I thought
1: was really, really cool.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. I think it was said, yeah, within the first half of the year, we'll have uh, 2113, 2114 second half of the year twenty one fifteen twenty one sixteen and by you know kind of beginning of next year uh twenty one seventeen twenty one eighteen yeah and then uh, yeah we'll at least have that gap kind of filled within the g w f and then kind of from there you know we could look at you know bring in the c p c or Uh, classics or something like that. There's a couple of different options of stuff that we could do, uh, along with along those lines.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously I, I, for one would love to, to get, you know, the classic stuff, uh, uh, online, I mean that said you know uh, long ago, I bought a bunch of creative character cards and have all my classics cards you know yep. in online anyway, but um you know to 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 have kind of the the official releases with the art you know that 's the funny thing it's like every time I play my classics set, I have no art
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and, and i't you know people are hung around here i 'm going to give a spoiler uh on the on those sets in particular um and uh, with the colors, I think one of the reasons that we've had you know is uh, you know it's kind of a delay with kind of getting some of those out is just getting all the artwork colored. you know, it's been tough getting a lot of Warner's time uh and then last you know last year, uh Tom brought in Tom Filsinger brought in Tom Rickard to do some of the colors on the uh new g w f set, and Tom is now helping out with kind of coloring in these gap years in the GWF for online. So that's, so, so that is kind of the color, the colorist that we're using for those is, is Tom record. So if you liked his coloring work there, hopefully you'll, you'll like this as well. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, I certainly did. I thought that, I thought that uh, you know, the last set was, was just fantastic, you know, period, like across the board. Um, so, I think that that's very exciting for for people that have been clamoring for for those sets. And rightfully, so, you know it'll be really nice to have the the complete you know, COTG verse or is the complete GWF uh, run anyway uh, on online uh, and, and essential for, for some players. So that'll be really great. And again, I would love to see classics. I would also love to see CPC. You know, sure. I feel like uh, to be able to to go and run the CPC, uh, you know, concurrent with the GWF would be a heck of a lot of fun. I know that I did that uh, for a little while and then kind of fell off a bit. Um, but, uh, you know, certainly kept up, kept up with the CPC, um, just wasn't necessarily running them at the same time. And of course this is like, now I'm going back like 15, 16 years, the last time I touched that stuff. Uh, but it would be a nice impetus to, to pick it up again. Sure. Um, so non COTG related, of course, we also had our Indies uh, panel with uh, Zeke and Ty and, uh, and Todd and myself, of course, as well. But uh, the cool thing about that, the, the announcement that people were really thrilled for, uh, is that the new set uh, for indies will be a, a best of the tag teams uh, 2022. Mm-hmm. And the headline tag team uh, was revealed, and that, of course, uh, the Von Ericks, Ross, and Marshall. Um, great art, uh, yeah. love, love the art, cannot wait to see the uh claw mechanic that, that Zeke has has alluded to that, that will be on the cards. Um it it's funny because I've missed a lot of what they've done over the past couple of years. Uh not it, it, I, I am aware of what they've done. I just haven't seen a lot of what they've done. So I spent uh some time over the past couple of days actually watching uh some stuff and 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 they're so they're so talented. I mean, they're just so damn talented. Uh, and I love the fact that both of them, much like you know, their father and uncles wrestled different styles from one another. You yeah. know, Carrie did not wrestle like David did not wrestle like Kevin. Do you know what no. I mean? Yeah, and in totally. The, and yeah. they're the same way. Ross does not wrestle like Marshall. Marshall does not wrestle like Ross. And so it's wonderful to just see these two very different, you, you know, uh, guys in there tied together, of course, by this, this incredible bloodline. And there's certainly similar similarities. You know, they both use the claw. They have, you know, they they have some cool, you know, high flying stuff that they do, which I think, you certainly honors their father, Um, but just what a great pair to add to the game. And and I think that uh, uh, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to be able to use them. And, and it's weird because I don't, you know, I don't say this lightly because we have some incredible talent that we've amassed through our Indies, um, you know, collection just over the past few years alone. And that's what I'm talking about exclusively these past few years. I feel like this might be one of the bigger signings, You know, when I when I look at like tag teams that we have specifically, like I cannot think of another tag team that we have had come along in the past few years that enters the same like stratosphere as these guys, really. Uh, And that's no disrespect to any of the other wonderful tag teams that we have. Um, But I mean, I'm I'm thinking that I've got to go back to like, you know the young bucks or, or the briscoes, or, you know, you know what I mean? Right, to get right, a right. tag team that for me personally, for my placement, what my fed where the, you know, where they're going to be placed, you, you know, I, that's, that's kind of, that's what I'm thinking anyway. So I can't wait to see what Zeke does with the stats and I, I'm thrilled to have them. Uh, and I will, I will once again, emphatically state for anyone that wasn't there at the con and hasn't seen this on the boards, this does not mean, in fact, it, it absolutely does not mean that we have any other von Eric's, right?
1: So we're that we tried to make clear right off the bat, <laughs> and still there's speculation on the board. Oh bad. no, there's more von Eric. I'm like, no, <laughs> this is it, this is all we got. Not to say that it won't ever happen, right? Never say never, never but yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's definitely someone we, you know, family we hope to get in someday, yeah. But right as of right now, yeah, it's just uh, Ross and Marshall, so but um, and the um, yeah, we kind of like started off with a headliner there instead of kind of saving for the uh the pre-order date sure um and yeah I'll, I'll be uh transparent here we're still a couple couple you know choices we're still making and trying to get a hold of some people and get and get sign offs there so uh so it's still a little bit in flux you know we we have uh we have some definite plans and definite backups and we're still trying for a couple other ones just to Uh, just to to kind of tweak the set a little bit more. Um, And then we did mention as well on the indie side that we will have the best of set, the regular singles best of set will come out in May. And then in September, we'll have uh, the women of the indies. will come out then. So we have the full lineup and we're already working on all of them. At this yeah. point, which
0: is great. You know, it's cool to kind of to, to take a look behind the curtain uh, briefly. One of the things that is exciting about this set, because I've had a little bit more to do with it than, than previous sets, um, at least the kind of the initial talks, um, that I'm excited because in putting together a set like this, we were able to come up with a list of, of people that we wanted pretty quickly You know, um, we didn't necessarily have the same kind of resources that sometimes you have with others because like when we went to like the PWI best tag teams, for instance, almost every single tag team on there was either, you know, signed with WWE or AEW or, you know, there weren't a lot, or we had them already in the game. So there were not a lot of like tag teams to draw from that list to kind of target or go after, um, or that we didn't have. But, but there were some names that immediately came to mind for all of us. Like, you know, you and Zeke and I all had kind of, you know, there were a couple of, of, of tag teams that were like, we should go after this one or we should get this one. Oh, we already have this one. Oh, we have this one too. Oh, we don't have this one. And so it was just really cool to be able to start to put that list together and be able to have kind of like, this is our dream list. Let's see if we can you know get some of the people we don't have. And if we can't get them, we've got these guys which is pretty cool too. So it's, it, it's kind of nice to be able to, to, to see, you know, that, that start to come together when you're kind of putting the makeup of a set together. Um, and of course anything can happen. You know, we could, we could, sure. we could sign a tag team, you know, a few weeks out before printing and, and, bam, you know, there's a new, there's, there's a new addition to the roster or whatever, but
1: it's happened before. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> uh,
0: but there's, but there's some cool, cool stuff. And the nice thing is that prime will be tied to uh, yeah. the best of the tag team set. So there'll be some cool stuff in prime. Um, really, you know, again, really looking forward to this. And, and I, I love so much about the, the indie sets and um, it's, it, it always is a good motivator to, you know, to, to keep up to date, keep watching what's, what's out there and what's, what's yeah. new. Um the opposite of new but, uh, would, of course, be our legend sets, which which uh, I, I would say certainly is probably one of the most beloved things that Filsner Games does. Uh, and of course, you know, the the legend was indeed Les Thatcher. Uh, beautiful art. Uh, it's going to be a great card. Uh, I'm sure that there'll be, you know, maybe a couple minor tweaks or whatever. But I had a wonderful black and white card that I've used quite a bit Um mostly in tag team action, actually, I haven't used him a lot in singles, but when I was, uh, doing some research and, and, and then talking to him, uh, even on Saturday, I started to think he should, he should be in my, in my, uh, my middleweight division, you know, in my, in my new fed that I, that I've been running for a little over a year now, uh, you know, bring him in. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, of course, must also mention the fact that, uh, our, special edition card uh for the you know the 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 con one of those cards is a legend card and of course that was frogman leblanc so some new uh, undercard talent for for folks to use uh yeah. and the other card was uh chaos supreme um the you know the one percent body fat version of chaos supreme
1: yeah. um, <laughs> hold, hold the sour cream
0: hold the sour cream uh that's right clearly clearly this guy has not touched the sour cream in a while um so yeah i some great teases you know keep your eyes on philsingergames.com or the message boards for announcements every monday wednesday and friday monday of course will be chronos wednesday will be the indies and friday will be legends um a lot and as far as um
1: As far as the uh, convention exclusive cards, uh, they have not been printed yet, but should hopefully be uh, pretty soon. So those will go out. uh, I don't know. Hopefully in the night, you know, probably mid mid part of February. Then um, I'm thinking. So Um, yeah, and then yeah, with the with the decision with Frogman, there was a couple names we were throwing around. uh, You know, including I did toss out the idea of the. adorable adrian adonis card which i know many people have been uh, wanting to get but i think in the yeah. end uh we decided that was maybe a little more crucial and want to make sure that everybody's able to kind of get that and we kind of, I kind of also like the idea of kind of having this you know an enhancement talent a kind of a fun enhancement talent uh in that perennial spot like nacho Brera. Last year. So that's uh, like, I think we, we named their tag team together. Uh, Nachos and frog legs. I think yeah. uh, came up there. So uh, that, that'll be a nice fun uh, tag team to throw against the road warriors. Uh, see how long they last together.
0: <laughs> Speaking of the road warriors, there were a couple of kind of neat little reveals that happened sort of on, on, on the DL. And one of those is the reveal that uh, in Chicago for Galacticon at the auction, uh we're gonna auction off the original Road Warriors and Paul Ellering art. Yeah. Um, which is just incredible. It's a
1: beautiful piece.
0: Oh my gosh, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, as I said uh, during the thing, yeah. So uh it's a piece that I have uh, here uh, Tom had given me a number of pieces of art uh, back I guess maybe about seven years ago or so seven and a half years ago when we did the uh, CRTG live event you know as, as just something you know something for there to kind of help uh, you know offset some of our costs that we could sell some of it and of course I didn't sell any of it either. I've just been using it for the auctions over the years instead <laughs> and there's a couple pieces that I have in there that I've been wanting to save for myself and that was one of them but i figured given the cause given that we're going to chicago i'm like it's got to go up for auction in this one so yeah yeah Uh, Uh,
0: i i think it's i think obviously it's going to end up being a big money piece um you know uh feedback kevin butcher grandpa choco let's see what you guys got uh,
1: and, uh, um, I I could see. I could see Dave Little in that one too. Maybe nice. I know he's his big uh, legends guy. There, he, he might throw his hat in there too. I don't know. We'll see. I
0: hope everybody does. I hope that thing. I hope that thing. You know, makes just tons of money I, I i i really do and i hope it goes to
1: I, i'm sure it will i don't even need to hope this i'm sure it will yeah. be a really good home and, um, and and i've gotten other people kind of reaching out to me saying hey uh, you know i want to you know, donate something else there and i'm sure we'll collect other donations we'll have a bunch of other stuff available as well uh you know we got we got we got some money to make up to kind of hit uh, jerry briscoe's goal so you know we got, <laughs> we got a little let's way to go Do it,
0: man. let's do
1: it uh one of the
0: other cool little you know on the dl sort of reveals uh is something that i've known about for quite a while now uh and was so excited to see you know people get to see for the first time uh is that you revealed the the long rumored um alternate nick gage card <laughs> um sort of the you know the post match nick gage if you will and um you know very limited not something that that phil singer games necessarily is selling it's something that you know nick gage is, is, you know may sell his merch or something like that um but we do you know we do have a few floating around obviously um yeah. and it was just it, I, i'm just glad that that's kind of like out there now yeah um yeah. because um Yeah. What a, what a cool, what a cool piece. I, I, I love that that's something that we did. It reminded me a lot of those old, um, uh, like legends of wrestling toys. And and I'll never, you know, i remember like seeing like the, uh, Abdul, the butcher King Kong Bundy or whatever. And, you know, and they had like, you know, regular face and then the bloody face, you know, version that you could get or whatever. I just thought that that was so neat. And like, it made me, it made me want, like, it's like, now I want like a bruiser Brody, you know, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I want, I want that. It's like, I, you know, get on, you get on the horn to, to warner and be like all right yeah, i, I will
1: commit. say the, the the original version i did was a heck of a lot bloodier than that one and you know i was kind of told to tone it down <laughs> to <beat>. the
3: <laughs>
0: the Tom to says beat. like less is
1: less less is more sometimes i'm like okay all
0: right, <laughs> <laughs> um well and, and speaking uh of course of tom uh tom joined us for a while and uh, you know he was in the main room um uh, and so was the dark menace at one point you know it, it was very confusing uh but uh, uh tom was with there a funny, and, with a fun uh, mask too a fun, yeah. a fun mask uh tom was there had a lot of cool stuff to say you know answered a lot of questions um just yeah just fantastic as always and then had uh, a, a little announcement um about a new way to play champions of the
1: galaxy yeah very cryptic yeah 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 i'm i'm sure you hear a lot more about that in the future and yes. uh I'm sure that he said also we would uh, get you know a ton more Galacticon and maybe, I'm, I'm sure you're even before that but I think there'll be a lot to show at Galacticon revolving yeah. around that.
0: Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, really, that 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 brings us pretty much up to speed. Not a whole lot left to say. Uh, I will say uh, all the prognosticators on the on the message boards, over uh, in particular on the Legends uh, side of things. Um, I love seeing all of the the guesses. Uh, I love seeing you know what people are thinking you know might be in the next set and that sort of stuff. Um, there's been a lot of guesses. There's been at least one name that has been correct. At least one maybe two, maybe three, maybe four. I don't know. I don't know. But there's been at least one, uh, that, uh, you know, has been put out there. So, so, uh, which is, which is cool. You know, it's cool when you see people like get the names, right. And you're just sort of like, all right, you know, people are, you know, people are building, building some buzz. Um,
1: I think it was revealed that there's also two new names in the set. That's right.
0: That's right. And nobody's really, I don't think many people have ventured to guess the new names. We've, we've only seen the, the, uh, the remake uh, remakes yeah uh which is cool you know i mean i i i think people will be uh, surprised uh, probably um and and really really enjoy the new names quite a bit uh yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it uh, i can't wait to i don't know what the the release schedule for the teasers is going to be like so i'm really like i'm i'm anticipating now seeing like okay when when are people going to get to know this one you know so it'll be fun it'll it'll be fun to see um the reactions as we go on, uh, over on the, uh, uh, indie side, people have also been throwing up some guesses there. And, uh, again, some good, some good guesses are out there. Uh, and I, I think, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a great set, uh, even though it's not finalized yet. Uh, so there's a lot of cool stuff coming. Um, yeah, it's time to get jazzed. We've got, uh, what a little over a month, uh, to go before, before things probably, you know, get printed and mailed off. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome
1: yeah that no, should be should be cool so yeah i think we're, we're releasing plan to release end of march for all the new stuff there and i think i'm trying to decide exactly when the pre-order will be It'll either be very end of february or, or very beginning of march then um we'll have that again all the promoter prime stuff will be up i know there's been some questions at the board is promoter prime going to be there when it's available and like <laughs> yes we're still doing promoter prime It's still be the same, uh, you know, same, same method as the last couple of years has proven very successful. And, uh, yeah, that'll go up the same time as the, as the new releases then too. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. It's funny because I feel
0: like for the past few years now it's, it's, it's been, very similar, you know, it's like January one rolls around and people are like, When's the new promoter prime coming? It's like, yeah, just 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 wait, man. be. Well, I know originally
1: we used to put it out early because it used to be once a month. Now we do it once a course. Like, ah, wait a little bit before we get it out there. But, right.
0: Uh, I mean, it's it's awesome to see the excitement over it. And I and people, you know, people want the new cards, they want to see what the new cards are, they want to know, yep. want, you know. So it's I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And I I I can't wait until all is revealed. Um and,
1: and I will say there's some Fun things in the works for Champions of Galaxy Prime in in particular. Uh I'm yes, uh, very excited man. about. Me too. So,
0: yes. Me too. Yes. Gonna to have gonna have some fun this year. Yeah. Um speaking of fun, uh, you know, the the conversations that take place uh, the interaction that occurs uh, at, you know, at the virtual cons and that spills over onto the boards is, of course, some of my favorite stuff that happens in, in this community, uh, this, you know, this universe uh, that we've, we've created. And I'm just so thrilled um, with, with the comments that we've gotten. Um, so, you know, certainly want to um, give a shout out to Pariah, Jerk Bronson, Lee, L.A. Wraith. Uh, Derek VB, uh the faction, uh, Pete back, um, and I'm sure I'm gonna leave now, I'm not gonna leave Matt Dickendescher or Zeke Gould out. Uh I want to thank everyone for all of the the wonderful comments um and uh great you know great insights uh into the last episode about the the gladiators. Um you know it was such a blast uh to to talk about them and, and it was great last week and the week before uh, to have Mike back with us. Um, um, you know, obviously brings a lot to the table every time he's here. And, um, it was, it was wonderful to, to chat about, uh, some subjects that I think we are all very invested in. Um, so, uh, we appreciate your feedback and you can always hit us up, um, you know, on the boards, uh, you know, or, or come find us, you know, on Facebook or, or wherever we might be. Uh, of course I've been throwing our Twitter handles up. Um, so if you use Twitter, you know, you can always come find us on Twitter as well. Um, Speaking of Facebook, uh, the the Phil Seryan Games uh, Facebook group has has just had some really wonderful stuff on it recently as well. Lots of great conversations. It's been some really cool conversations about wrestling books uh, recently, which you know anyone knows knows I'm you know a junkie for that stuff. Uh, and uh, some some really cool uh, books to to talk about. Uh, I will mention real quick about books specifically. Rock Rims has announced that due to um, new printing costs and uh, uh, you know all sorts of you you know, supply chain stuff that he will not be reprinting Any of his older books He may do one last reprint When he releases his Ray Stevens biography At the end of this year um, But that's still up in the air So if you want any of Rock's books uh, Unfortunately you're looking at Aftermarket for most of them He does however still have Copies of Legends and Icons Which is the history of the Olympic Auditorium In Southern California Wrestling That's the one where I drew from the most uh, When we did our Piper episode It is a phenomenal Book. It's one of my favorite wrestling books ever. It is written so beautifully. Rock is not just a historian, but he's an incredible writer. Um, he, you know, I, I cannot recommend it enough. Again, this is book is 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 you know one step shy of being out of print now. There's been times before where I wasn't sure if he was going to reprint something or whatever, but but he pretty emphatically stated there would be no reprints uh, unless he did one, you know, towards the end of this year. So if you want to risk it and wait to the end of the year and see if he reprints them with his Ray Stevens biography, by all means. But if you don't want to wait, go find Rock Rims either on Facebook or Twitter, send him a message. $40 will get you a copy of Legends and Icons. Uh, they're already, already his books are selling for two to three times as much, uh, on the aftermarket. So, uh, this is a way to secure a copy without having to pay a premium price. Um, I think he said he had 10 copies left. Um, so, so hop to it. Uh, he just announced this today, um, Wednesday, February 2nd, I'm going to release this, you know, February 3rd. So, uh, hopefully, you know, he's still got some, if you're interested and, and go, go grab them. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks again to everybody with the feedback. Thank you, of course, also to our fellow podcasters, um, uh, Chad, Corey, Tim, and Stu over at Uncharted Territory. I a joy talking with them. Looking forward to talking with Chad again tomorrow night. I think we're going to do a little, little conversation. Uh, and then, uh, of course, Grandpa Choco at the Phil Seren Games Fan uh, Podcast. Um, Lee with the dizzy dice podcast, uh, Brock Atkinson, um, and and Mike fortune, of course, also doing, doing their thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, everyone that is, that is producing and and talking about wrestling and and Phil singer games, you know, we, we, we thank you, appreciate you so much because it just kind of keeps the community going. So, um, I think that's, I think that's all I got. What about you, Todd?
1: Oh I think that's all I got. It's been a, it's been, a it's been a hectic week here between the perennial getting all these companions out, working on the new sets. Uh, oh yeah, plus also, you know, my regular nine to five job and being a parent and all that stuff and being an Uber driver for the kids and all that fun <laughs> jazz too. <But>, uh, <laughs> Artist working man
0: and Phil Singer games, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's <laughs> tough. It's tough. So. Uh,
1: we all yeah, appreciate your work. A great no, <laughs> Thank you. And yeah, I definitely appreciate uh, the community and the support there uh, from everybody there. And it's great to, to see everybody on Saturday and looking forward to seeing everybody again soon. Um, yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Um, and,
0: uh, oh, you know, one quick thing I will say to, uh, Uncharted Territory, their last couple of episodes I've loved. So if you haven't had a chance to check out, um, their, uh, review or overview of Legends Vintage, I, I loved hearing, um, about, you know, the, 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 just, you know, the overall, um, Uh, I'm at a loss for words now. You can tell that it's time to wrap it up, but uh, just hearing about the way that set was put together, all the names in the set, the stories behind some of those signings and, and, and and the stats and, and having to kind of basically wing it on certain, you know, moves that sort of stuff, because there wasn't any footage at the time. Uh, Just wonderful, you know, to, to hear all that behind the scenes stuff. Um, And, and I think, uh, you know, the, the hope is obviously that some of the names that they were talking about will get color cards um, in the future. So, uh, uh, it was just a great great episode. And and of course I also um you know loved their episode of Christian McLeod, which we talked about last time around. So great stuff from them as usual. And uh and to get more specific too with, with Grant, uh Grant recently did um uh, uh a an overview of the Ringside Companion. So if you're waiting for yours in the mail and you want to see a little bit more, check out his video on that. Um but yeah, it's it's hey, we're we're back at it again. It's teaser season, one more time, always. We had our break, break's over, time to get back to work. Uh so yeah, back
1: back to those weekly teasers again, Sam. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. Uh so I just wanna thank everyone for listening and take care of yourselves, take care of one another if you are uh, amongst the millions of people that are being affected by this uh, incredible winter storm, um, which doesn't feel quite as incredible as other winter storms that I've been in to be completely frank. Uh, but it still has a huge impact obviously on, on uh, people, you know, getting to work and uh, getting the things that they need and and, and that sort of stuff. So uh, if you're affected by that, obviously stay safe, stay warm. Um, and in the meantime, like I said, take care of yourselves and one another. And we'll be back next week with another brand new episode of roll up the official field singer games podcast.